Amen. You guys ready to get in the Word of God? All right, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers will give you a free one this morning. If you have one, turn with me to Romans 8 and pray with me as we get to work. Father, we love your Word. We love how every day we can come to it and receive absolute truth. There is no question on whether it's right. There's no question on whether it's going to help us. It's no question whether it has the answers that we need. So, Father, we pray now as we open up your word that you would enlighten our minds, that you would soften our hearts, and that you would alter our steps to come in accordance with all you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, uh, I start most days the same. I wake up, I grab my cup of coffee, I go downstairs, I uh, start reading the word. And after doing that for a little while, in order, I've learned in order to stay awake while I pray, I need to walk. And so I'll, uh, I'll get my running shoes on. As soon as I get my running shoes on, my dog perks up and comes running to me. I grab my little leash and I head out the door, put my earbuds in and it is glory time. And, um, I want to tell you though, it has been a lot more challenging the last couple weeks to enter into that glory. And it's not because it's, uh, getting colder. I actually like it getting colder. It's, uh, it's not because my dog is tired. It is because of the decorations that have seemed to overtake my little neighborhood. I don't know if anyone knows, but Halloween is upon us. And my sermon title today is, What in the World is Up with Halloween? So if you're taking notes, what in the world is up with Halloween is what I want to talk about. Because here's what I've noticed. As I am walking around the streets, it's not just cute little jack-o'-lanterns that used to be making their appearance when I was a kid. Not little Snoopy, you know, and, and things like this. I am walking down the streets, and in front of normal homes, there are tombstones with hands coming out of the ground. There are demons hanging from trees. There are literally a decapitated head with blood pouring all over. And my poor dog is so scared. I'm having to pastor my dog through our walk. I'm walking. My dog's looking over its back the whole time. It's freaked out. I'm, I'm going to have to take my dog in for inner healing this week. I, I, I'm literally, I'm walking down the street. And I kind of see a house in front of me and I see all the spooks and the, the gore and the blood. And then, so I go over to this side of the street and I walk here and then I, I'm crisscrossing the whole time. And all of a sudden I won't notice something and something will get us. And I mean, they even have sound effects in some of these. Ah! My poor dog, I've almost dislocated my shoulder this past week. It's not just that, it's, it's my kids too. We were, um, we were driving home from soccer uh, on Wednesday and we drive by this house and I see my sons in my rearview mirror. I just see my son's eyes get all big and he's looking and in front of a yard. And, and this is like, this is, I, I don't think these people are mass murderers. It just looks like a normal elderly couple. There are stakes in the yard with skulls on all of it. And my son is just looking at him like, Son, I know some people really get, get into this thing. And he goes, Daddy, 
I told mommy that she needs to take me over so we can share Jesus with those people. I said, that's right, five-year-old. That's what we need to. It's not just in my neighborhood, though. We were, last night, we went to a, a, a barbecue restaurant to, to actually celebrate uh, my brother-in-law and future sister-in-law's engagement. Congratulations, Chris and Eva. Over here, give us a wave. And uh, so, so excited for them getting married. And um, we walk in, and the waitress that is walking towards us to take us to our table, she has her, is a sweet little girl, face painted with, like, teeth and blood. And that same five-year-old goes, ha! Ah! And he puts, his, he puts his arm in front of his eyes but keeps walking. So I have to grab him so he doesn't slam into a table. He's like, I can't see that. Guys, something has gone wrong in our little country when it comes to Halloween. And I want to unpack it today because it's in perfect accordance with Romans 8. If you'll turn with me to Romans 8, chapter 19, I want to talk to you about how did we get into this whole idea of decay and death and gore and blood. Where does this come from? Where is this coming from? And of course, like always, the Bible is going to beautifully lay it out for us. So here we go. Romans 8, 19. It says the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be liberated, say liberated, from, it's liberated from its bondage, now say bondage, to decay. So what we know is that creation is in bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, if you're confused by that, let me just unpack three main points that we're going to look at today. I'm going to put them all up at once for you to see. This is the three main points that we're picking out of this portion of Romans that the Apostle Paul, the writer of this book, is highlighting right now. Number one, something has gone wrong. When you are walking through your neighborhood and there are heads hanging from porches, you know something has gone wrong. People chose sin. Now let's go to point number two. The result sin ushered creation into its bondage to decay. It's not just that there's sin, but sin has ramifications. Sin has an effect, and that effect is the bondage into decay. And number three, here we go. God's solution. God is not okay with our world being in the midst of sin, with decay having its rule and reign. So God has a solution, and this is it, to bring freedom by revealing the glory of his children. You guys ready to jump in here? Let's jump in. One clap. I was hoping for more. Let's jump in here. There we go. Let's jump in. Let's talk about something went wrong. If you're taking notes, put something went wrong. What went wrong here? What went wrong is the enemy came and started having his way with people. Here's what the Bible says about the enemy in John chapter 10. It says that the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So we're going to go back to Genesis for a minute and talk about it. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, Genesis is the first book. In the book of Genesis, we really see God's heart and his love for people. He creates man and woman, breathes life into them, but doesn't just say, okay, now good luck. Go and, go and I hope you make it. He puts them in the perfect environment, this garden. Now, when you think of a garden, what do you think of? You think of flowers, you think of plants, you think of order, you think of a protected environment where everything's taken care of. And that's what we see God doing in Genesis chapter one and then Genesis chapter two. We're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter two. Let's look at this. It says this, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So after God creates man. He goes, now here, I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to put you in the perfect place with everything you need. And now I'm even going to give you something substantial to put your hands to it. You're going to work and you're going to take care. I'm going to entrust this to you. So there he is. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, why does that, what, what's that all about? Here is what God wanted men and women. And he still calls it, calls us to it today. God always wanted relationship with you. He didn't want to just say, here's some rules, try to follow them. He said, hold my hand and I will walk you into life to the full. I'm going to walk you into the most wonderful life for you. It's relationship custom crafted for you. He said, now don't take of this. Don't go eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to be introduced to evil. And I don't want you to just decide here, this is good. And I think this is evil. If you do that, I can't let you live forever because man inevitably chooses evil time and time again, man chooses evil. And I can't let evil overcome the earth. And so you will die. Now watch what the serpent does. Let's look at Genesis chapter three. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see that immediately the serpent's lying. He's trying to say, God didn't want you to have anything. The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat from the fruit, from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit, from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Line number two, you will be like God. They weren't going to be like God, but they were going to know good and evil. You see, from the beginning, the enemy was wanting to introduce us into evil. The enemy's desire is to introduce us into evil. Why was it such a big deal to take this fruit? You always see pictures of it, just of Eve taking some apple. It's not just a fruit that God didn't like. It was the whole introduction into man going his own path. Man rebelling, saying, God, I don't want to go your way. I want to go my way and being introduced to evil. So when they take that apple, <laughs> introduced to evil, and they're thinking they're going their way, really, they're going the devil's way. Because going your own way is rebellion, and it's rebellion against the loving father. So here's the bad news, guys. There were some major implications for choosing sin. The result was everything being in bondage to death or decay. 
Here's what Genesis 3.17 says. So God comes to Adam and he starts saying, here's the effects of the fall. Your choice is going to bring about these effects. Let's look at this. It says, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. God's saying this. The ground is now cursed. Guys, we see it everywhere. We drive through the fields. We see trees dying. We see dead grass. I was in Temecula last night for this little party. And we stopped at this beautiful park. Just lush green grass, totally smooth up to this little hill, these perfectly groomed trees, and then a white fence around it. And then on the other side was just normal, what the the actual natural landscape of Temecula looked like. Just brown, thorny bushes and dirt and rocks and perfect, perfect atmosphere habitat for rattlesnakes, right? And I'm thinking this, this is a perfect picture. This little garden aspect has taken so much time. Someone had to go through, pick up all the rocks. They had to dig out all these plants and plant this grass. And someone's paid a ton of money to keep this grass, this green, in Temecula. Outside of the fence is what's natural. It's thorns. It's thistles. It's hard work. You see, it's all of creation was affected by the fall. Now, of course, we still see beauty and majesty all around us. But creation was ushered into decay and death and depravity. Here's what the Bible goes on to say in verse 19. You will return to the ground since you were taken from it. For dust you are and dust you'll return. It was absolute lie to think that man wouldn't die when he rebelled against God. He did die. You see, God's intent was man to live forever in perfect unity with him. And by what Jesus did on the cross, we do. But our bodies die. Our bodies decay. We get older. We get slower. They break down. Finally, you end up in the ground. You decompose. You get eaten by stuff. It's gross. And that is the end for everyone. Happy day in church. Now, now let me take you a step further. This affects all of us. This happens to all of us, not just from our original forefathers, Adam and Eve, and how they sinned, but every time you choose sin, death, destruction, decay enters into you. It's called darkness. It's called depravity. And that's what we've seen in the book of Romans. I have a few more verses that's really important to dissect here. Romans 1.21 says this, for although they knew God, They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Every time we don't give glory to God and we say, I'm going to choose my own way. God, I got this one. I'm going to do this. What happens? Our thoughts become darkened. Our hearts, our, our meditations become futile. And look what happens when our meditations become futile. Romans 1, 28 through 31. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to what ought not be done. Now, here's the problem with depravity in our mind is our actions follow and we start doing what shouldn't be done. It says this, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, 
evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy and murder and strife, deceit and malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Rough. That's what happens when we stop worshiping God, when we stop choosing his way, depravity comes and enters murder, enters greed, enters all kinds of things that are against God's heart. Now, the worst thing is this, that not only does that start happening, people actually love darkness. You ever notice that? People start loving darkness. There, there might even be some aspects of your life where you're like, I know that's wrong, but why am I so drawn to that? You ever had that before? Be honest. Some of you guys are like, oh, I don't want to say that. We start, the, the more depraved our minds get, the more darkened we get, the more we actually love the darkness. Let me just prove this to you from one more verse, John 3.19. It says this, this is the verdict Light has come in the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I want to tell you that the light's coming in to this world, but many people reject it because they love darkness. And there's always some new form of darkness. Let me just tell you some. Might step on a few toes, but just know that I love you. I'll be in the back afterwards to shake your hand. I'll hand you a bottle of water. I'll talk to you. Harry Potter, 10 years ago, comes out, comes onto the scene. Some of you are like, please don't go there, Robert. I'm going to go there. <laughs> Harry Potter, witchcraft. He's a wizard. There are two types of powers on this earth, men and women of God. There is the power of God. It's light. There's the power of the enemy, and it's dark. Even if it seems to be kind of sweet, Light, darkness, it's still darkness. Anything that's power does not originate from God, who is the father of lights and him there is no shadow of turning, comes from the evil one. And he masquerades himself as an angel of light, as the Bible says. But if it's origin, if there's any supernatural power that's not coming from God, it's coming from someone else, and his name is Satan. That's right. <clears throat> Every few years it kind of recreates itself. Then I, I remember right when we moved to California, I'd be driving around Los Angeles. There were all these vampire billboards. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why do we like vampires? They kill you and take all your blood away and blood's good. It's, it is dark. This is not from God. Death is not from God. Destruction is not from God. Now it's a new thing. It's zombies. I was behind a car yesterday that said, um, zombie, zombie resistance force. And some couple driving their car. I'm like, what are you thinking? I'm no, the church is the zombie resistance force folks. Here's the problem. We think, you know, well, that's cute. You know, it's just a little show. It's a little entertaining. I'm just going to kind of get spooked out, you know, oh, how cute. Let's get together, have a little slumber party, and let's just open our windows and invite evil people to come into our home. No, we don't do that. 
Let's just say, hey, here I am, Satan, here's a big target. Let's just open ourselves up to all that stuff. Who do horror movies come from? Who does this darkness come from? There's this, if you don't think people love darkness, there is billions of dollar industry is the horror movie industry. And what are we doing? We're just opening up our minds and our eyes to embrace darkness. And you think, well, it doesn't affect me. Au contraire. Okay. It, I meet with people in my office. Okay. I I end up dealing with them and and they come in and they're hearing voices. Okay. And, And they're being attacked and they can't sleep. You're like, oh, it doesn't affect me. And you can't sleep in the dark and you're a grown person. You're walking in your house. You're looking under your bed before you go to sleep. You're like, but it doesn't affect me. Right. But you have all these phobias. Where do you think they're coming from? I, and even worse, I mean, I'll have people that I'll meet with and they'll all, you know, they're talking to them. They're a nice, sweet Christian. All of a sudden, boom, they're oppressed by the enemy. They're speaking in a guttural voice. I, I see this stuff all the time. Guys, it comes from opening up our lives to the darkness. And I don't say this to ruin your fun. I say this to save your life. We don't want any deeds of the darkness. We don't even want to dabble in that. So here's what happens. There's all this destruction. There's all this darkness. So what is God's answer to it? Here is what his answer is in verse 19. It says the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. It said this. In the end of verse 19, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The answer is the people of God showing up and being revealed. Hello, that's good. You're the answer. You're the answer to this darkness. It's the people of God. Listen to this amazing verse in Isaiah 60 some point, we'll probably do a whole series based on this. Isaiah 60. This is unbelievable. It says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Right? We're crying out, God, won't you move in our city? God, won't you shine in our, in our region? Won't you come? And God's saying, you know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to do it by lighting up your face. I'm going to do it by glowing through you. I'm going to do it by pouring out my power on you. He says, arise and shine. For it's rising upon you. Upon who? I don't think you're getting this yet. It says, verse 2, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. We look and as Christians, we're like, what in the world is up with all this darkness? It's just getting darker and darker. We're hearing about more wars and more greed and more horrible atrocities and I'm walking down the street. I can't even walk my little dog anymore. My, my kids can't even ride their bike because there's darkness and demons in all these yards. He says, darkness is covering the earth, but the Lord rises upon you. What's his answer to darkness? Exactly. It's you. It's the glory of God shining through you. And it says this, His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. Next week, we're going to unpack how how do we as people and how do we as the body of Christ, how how should we respond to an election? How should we jump into this thing? But I want to tell you, 
in the end of the day, it's not the ruler of a country. It's not the king of a country. The Bible says kings will come to your light. The hope of America is not in the ruler and the leader. The hope of America is in the believers, letting the glory of God fall down on them, shine on them, and shine through them. And then the the people in darkness come and say, what in the world's going on with you? They say, why in the world do you look like you do? Man, I can forget my little demons in my yard. You look much more exciting. There's a lot more supernatural around you than the little tombstone in my yard and, and having to put a little recording. That's nothing compared to what I see in you. The glory of God. The answer is the people of God shining brightly in the darkest of places. Okay, so Halloween. I hate Halloween, but I love it. And here's why. I love it because it gives us the opportunities as believers to shine brightly. Because in the darkness is where people shine the brightest. Now, you say, I love Halloween. Please don't tweet that or quote that because... I don't really love it. I wish it would go away. It would, you know, just kind of go to a different country or something. Actually, I don't wish that on another country because I love all countries. But here is, here is the deal. As the people of God, we are called to the darkest of places. That is why we chose this area to, to, to start all peoples. Why? Because we understood that it had one of the highest uh, gang activity rates. That it has prostitution, that the drug abuse and addiction, that we're next to San Diego State. Why did we put ourselves next to San Diego State? Well, that's kind of a hard school to plant. That. No way. It's because the over-the-top partiers are there. And we're like, you know what? We want to see them change to partying for Jesus. That, that is what we, so we go, the church goes to the darkest of places. That's why we're always going into different countries. It's not because we want to sightsee. It's because we believe, you've seen this, men and women, you take a flashlight in daylight, you turn it on, you can't see anything, right? And that's what it's like when Christians just say, you know what, we're going to kind of leave, we're going to leave the the places of darkness, and we're going to just kind of go and and protect ourselves. You take a dark night and just turn on a pin light. Bright light, right? Dark room, pin light. That is what we need to do as believers, We go and we shine our light in dark places. This is what Jesus said about this. Let's look at this in Matthew. He said, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds And praise your father in heaven. Okay, so Halloween. Halloween. Why are we having a huge party that's called the Halloween Harvest Fest? Well, let me explain to you some different responses I've seen through the years from Christians. The first one is what we did growing up. Our hearts, I don't think were evil. We just didn't know better. So we just went right along with culture and Halloween as a family, right? I mean, not just went along. I mean, we dove in. I remember we turned our house into a haunted house, okay? These are my parents who were Sunday school teachers, by the way. My mom dressed up as a witch. My, my mom's really wonderful, 
So, but she knows I tell the story. She dressed up as a witch. My dad was a werewolf. He hid in my closet. They blindfolded us little five and six-year-olds and took us with this scary soundtrack. And she was like, ooh, come into my haunted house. And then she'd be like, feel the eyeballs in this thing. And you stick your hand and there's like grapes with peeled, uh, peeled skin. And you feel, oh, it's eyeballs. Ah! You know, the six-year-olds freaking out, right? Feel the brain. She'd stick your hand in a bowl of like spaghetti noodles. Ah! Some of you guys are going to need inner healing after this right now. And some of you are getting ideas. And I just bind you in Jesus' name right now. <laughs> it was not right what we were doing. Then my dad would jump out. Scare people. Scare these poor little kids. Okay. I don't think that that is what God intended for Christians to do. At Halloween. Okay, now, here's the second. So that, that's one group, like, hey, we're just going to go in the culture, you know, just whatever, you know. Oh, little Johnny's a seven-year-old zombie. That's awesome. Okay, secondly, the other one is, like, Halloween. You know, people maybe with a little more wisdom. That's not good. We're glorifying, like, death and gore and decay. And that's not, John's not the author of that. Let's get away from that. Okay, maybe a little better. Let, but let, let's go and, and, and in our big facilities, just kind of have, you know, something that we can retreat, just pull Christians away. And let's have a fall festival and we'll have cornucopias and, you know, um, eat pumpkin seeds. And, and so, okay, so at least you're not out, you know, getting defiled by little Johnny zombie. But I still don't think it's best. It's kind of like, hey, let's remove ourselves and get over and let's just pray that no one evil shows up here. You know, let's. No, please don't, no, don't, you know, don't even look. We're going to close our eyes while we drive so we don't see anything. Okay. Now here is what I believe God is calling his body to. It says this, arise, shine. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. Are you following me? Are you following me? I I saw this perhaps like never before when I was in college and I got involved with this radical group. And what we'd do is we'd go to 6th Street in Austin, Texas. The funny thing is that's where I grew up. So I had spent time kind of in my rebellious days going there to party. All of a sudden my college group is going back on Halloween night. And I'm like, this is so weird. Actually, this is freaking me out because I'm probably going to see some people I used to party with. And what we do is this. We'd go, we'd, we'd take this 12-foot wooden cross and we'd all get around it and we'd just start worshiping God. We weren't screaming at people. We weren't telling them they were going to hell. We weren't condemning anybody. We just worshiped God. And you know what happened? People would just start gathering around us. Hey, excuse me, what are you doing? Excuse me, what, what, what's this all about? What, what kind of group are you? Oh, we're just a group that loves Jesus. Really? Well, why are you here tonight? Well, we're here because we believe that God loves you. You know what happened? we would always see people come to know the Lord. People would come to know Jesus. They would go to 6th Street. Let me, actually, for a long time, the greatest miracle that I'd ever been a part of happened on Halloween night on 6th Street. Our group grew and grew and grew until we were taking hundreds of people down to 6th Street. We'd actually do dances and dramas just like we'll do today at the Harvest Fest. But one time we were there and, and two blind women come by on the arms of another woman. God just impressed on my heart, run over and pray for him. So I did, you know, I'm like, oh, this is the moment we pray for him and nothing happens. And, and, and it was such a bummer because I was so feeling the power of God. But we said, you know what? God loves you. And he, 
he wants a relationship with you. He cares about you and just loved them. And they were, they were so thankful, even though nothing seemed to happen. I gave them the, the card for the church we were working with, Hope Chapel that we were working with in Austin. Two months later, I'm at a conference speaking. I come down off the stage and this girl comes running to me. She goes, you're the guy. You're the guy that was praying. She goes, those two women that we prayed for, they came to the church starting to see. This woman, she had detached retinas. They were reattached, medically verified, coming and telling us about what the doctor said. They came, that you would give them a card. I was in shock. Talk about, I, I wanted to fall down and just, oh my goodness. And of course, I'm like, God, why didn't you let me see it then? Why did it have to be later? Since then, we've seen more and more sight recovery stories. But I'm thinking, God, of course, that's so you on the darkest of night to move in that kind of power. As every year we would go, we, we just went year after year on the darkest of night onto 6th Street, 150,000 people down there departing, And inevitably, people would find us. And they'd give their lives to Christ. They came to party. They leave finding Jesus. And that just built my theology. That built my theology of how the church should respond when the world shows up to give themselves to darkness and decay and destruction. That's not the time we run away. It's the time. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. He said, I came for the sick. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So let your light shine before men. It's the whole reason we do this harvest fest, this Halloween. We even put the name Halloween in it. So people will go, oh, I like Halloween and come to it. And you know what they find? Here's what they find. They found people that love them. The world is so full of hate. The world is so full of judgment and pain. And so you know what's going to happen? Last year, 800 people came through. And they feel loved. Mark Wallace was, was out on the streets with uh, Sam. And, and, and they go up to a house and they knock on the door and the people kind of look. And, you know, they can, you can tell they're reticent to answer the door. Who are these people knocking on my door? And they say, hey, we want to invite you to our Halloween Harvest Festival. They're like, oh, it's you. Oh, we've been to that before. And you could, he said that you could tell that they were just so relieved because here are people coming to give them something, not to take away from them. More and more I hear from our neighbors, oh, you guys are the ones that put on this free festival that has blessed the community. This is what the church should do. Last year we had over 20 people raising their hands, making commitments to follow Jesus. So what are we doing? We're turning the enemy's schemes against him. He has this day that people want to party. So everyone's looking for something. We say, hey, the church has the best party. Our God actually thought of parties, not you. (laughs) The difference between our party is you leave feeling better and it's free and it can actually save you. That's a good party. That's what we want to be as the people of God. People come in. We love on them. We bless them. We share good news with them. And whether they accept it or reject it, that's their responsibility. Our responsibility is to love them, to care for them, 
to bless this neighborhood, to bless our city. Amen? That's what we want to be as the people of God. Not for them to feel judged, not for them to feel hurt, not for them to feel like the Christians are just running away from them. The Bible says in Luke 15, it says that all the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus, waiting for what he had to say. I dream of the day where the lost and broken world is gathering around believers because of the love and the life they see in us. Amen.